Royce Gracie was crucial to the evolution of MMA. The Brazilian fighter who trained in Gracie Jiu-Jitsu introduced the martial art to the masses at UFC 1. He found more success with it in other tournaments and now it's a staple in today's sport. But his career has had its share of controversy. So how good was Royce Gracie actually? Hey guys, it's Keon and today we're going to talk about Royce Gracie. This is a video I really wanted to do because I'm interested in what you guys think about his legacy as he is one of the most polarizing figures in the history of MMA. So in this video, we will take a look at his career to really understand how good he was. Before we get to it shout out to the undisputed members of my patreon get early access a shout out and more if you become an interim or undisputed member all the money goes and will always go to charity also listen to the kion kamora podcast which is available on apple Podcasts, spotify and soundcloud now let's get to it hoist began his mma career at the age of 26 his brother horian offered him a spot to fight in an event that he co-created with art davy and that was the ultimate fighting championship ufc one went down on november 12 1993 it was a one night three fight tournament in the quarterfinals Hoist fought boxer Art Jimerson, who was famously sporting one boxing glove that night. Hoist, on the other hand, was a Gracie Jiu-Jitsu practitioner, a martial art based on grappling, ground fighting, and submission holds. No one knew anything about this way of fighting, and it also didn't help that Hoist was one of the smallest competitors of the tournament. But his fight with Art Jimerson was one where he took no damage on the feet as he secured a takedown early. This led to him mounted on top and eventually the fight ended with a tap as Art Jimerson had no idea on how to escape. The crowd was booing because they had no idea what happened or what they just witnessed. Regardless, Hoist advanced to the semifinals where he fought hybrid wrestler Ken Shamrock. Everyone, including the commentary team, agreed that this was going to be the most exciting fight of the night. Ken was a popular wrestler over in Japan who was also well-versed in submission fighting as his first pro wins ended in submission. And his defense looked good early as he immediately stuffed Hoist's takedown attempt. The two scrambled before Ken ended up on top, but then Hoist reversed the position. He eventually got a hold of Ken's back where he secured a sleeve choke. Ken tapped four times to this submission and Hoist let go of it, but the ref didn't know what was going on so the fight continued. Hoist protested that Ken tapped and after admitting to doing so, Hoist was awarded with the submission win. In the finals, he fought karate fighter Gerard Gordeau. Hoist immediately went for the takedown and after some time, he secured it. He would later say that Gordeau bit his ear once the fight got down. From there, Hoist mounted him before getting a hold of his back where he locked in a rear naked choke that forced a tap. Hoist Gracie became the UFC 1 tournament winner and was awarded $50,000. What's even more impressive is that all three of his wins combined lasted for 4 minutes and 59 seconds. But Hoist winning the tournament was very significant to not only growing Gracie Jiu Jitsu but mixed martial arts as a whole. Appearance wise, he did not look like a guy who could overcome his much bigger and stronger opponents. But after he did in relatively easy fashion, it introduced the concept of styles make fights which was something that other combat sports weren't exploring. Not only did many people want to learn Jiu Jitsu after Hoist's UFC 1 win, but there was also much anticipation for his return at UFC 2, which was a 16-man tournament, one night, and four fights. In the opening round, Hoist fought Minoki Ichihara. The two opened up the fight trading leg kicks. Then Hoist secured the takedown and immediately mounted Ichihara. Hoist spent time on top throwing punches to the head and body. After throwing some big shots from the top, Ichihara reversed the position but ended up getting caught in a lapel choke that forced him to tap. This fight lasted more than 5 minutes, which was greater than his first 3 wins combined. Hoist advanced to the quarterfinals where he fought Jason DeLucia. Hoist immediately shot for the takedown but got denied and ended up on his back. But he eventually reversed Jason and ended up mounting him. From there, Hoist locked in the armbar that forced a tap. The fight lasted 67 seconds. His opponent in the semifinals was Remco Pardoel. Remco was clearly the much bigger fighter, but Hoist took him down immediately and got a hold of his back. From there, he finished Remco with a lapel choke. This fight lasted 91 seconds. In his fourth and final fight of the evening, Hoist fought Patrick Smith in the finals. The two clinched up which led to a takedown 
by Hoist. Instead of going for the submission, Hoist threw punches to Pat's face which led to the tap, making it his first win by strikes. Hoist became the UFC 2 tournament winner and also the first and only man to win 4 fights in a single UFC event. Then he made his return at UFC 3. His opponent in the quarterfinals was Kimo Leopoldo. From the start, Kimo rushed in with lots of pressure. Hoist tried to take the fight down but the two scrambled before Kimo ended up on top. From his back, he grabbed Kimo's long hair which was completely legal and began throwing punches. The fight got back up but Kimo decided to take it back down again, which was a huge mistake as Hoist locked up the armbar which forced a tap. After this win, Hoist advanced to the semi-finals to fight Harold Howard. But prior to the match starting, his corner threw in the towel due to exhaustion and dehydration from his first fight with Kimo. Regardless of the towel throw, it wasn't considered as an official loss on Hoist's record. He came back a month later to fight at UFC 4, an 8-man tournament with 3 fights in one night. In the quarterfinals, he fought Ron Van Cleef who was 51 years old, making him the oldest UFC competitor to date. Although he was a karate expert, this fight was his MMA debut. Hoist secured the takedown immediately, and although I have to give credit to Ron for surviving for as long as he did, he eventually went to sleep by the rear naked choke at 3 minutes and 59 seconds. Hoist advanced to the semifinals to fight Keith Hackney. Keith was a taekwondo black belt with a muscular physique that the announcers believed would pose as a threat. And he did early as Hoist tried to take the fight down, but Keith showed some very good takedown defense by countering with his striking. This forced the fight to stay on the feet where we really got to witness Hoist's stand-up game. Which wasn't too bad as he threw some punches and connected with a bunch of knees in the clinch. Eventually he pulled guard and from there the two exchanged punches. Hoist attempted the triangle choke but after failing to secure it, he locked in the armbar that forced Keith to tap. He advanced to the finals to fight amateur wrestler Dan Severn. Dan wasn't only the bigger fighter but he also had strong ground skills as he finished his two previous opponents that night by submission. And he proved to be giving Hoist troubles early by taking him down and spending a majority of the fight on top position. Hoist attempted the triangle choke and threw some punches but the much bigger fighter and Dan was holding him down with ease. As time went on, Hoist couldn't really do anything significant and it really seemed like he was going to tire out and receive his first defeat. But then he attempted another triangle choke and this time he secured it which forced Dan to tap. This amazing comeback victory made Hoist the UFC 4 tournament winner, making him the only man to win 3 UFC tournaments. He also took home $64,000 for this tournament win. At UFC 5, Hoist fought for the UFC Super Fight Championship in a rematch against Ken Shamrock. This was the most anticipated fight for the UFC at the time which led to the highest pay-per-view buy rate for the promotion. The super fight also had a 30 minute time limit which went against the Gracie beliefs of that fight should only end by strikes, submissions, or towel throw. Regardless, the fight was very uneventful as Ken secured a takedown immediately and spent the remainder of the fight on top where he threw punches and headbutts that busted up Hoist's face. Hoist was attempting a bunch of Ezekiel chokes off his back. Once the fight reached 30 minutes, a 6 minute overtime was added with the same action going down. It was very uneventful and by the end it was declared as a draw due to lack of judges, meaning no one took home the belt that night. The rule changes with time limits both prior and during the fight made Horian and Hoist leave the UFC. Hoist came back 5 years later and fought pro wrestler Nobuhiko Takada in the opening round of the Pride Grand Prix. Hoist immediately pulled guard and even though he was on his back for the entire fight, he was more active than Takada who was content with staying on top. Hoist threw strikes and attempted submissions off his back which was enough for him to win by unanimous decision. Two months after this win, he advanced to the quarterfinals of the tournament to fight Kazushi Sakuraba. Sakuraba was a submission fighter which derived not from Jiu Jitsu but from catch wrestling and shoot wrestling. Back at Pride 8, he defeated Hoist's brother Hoyler Gracie by Kimura. This was huge because it had been several decades since a Gracie lost in professional fighting. The Gracie family believed the loss was not fair as Hoyler never submitted to Sakuraba, so Hoist decided to step in and reassert the dominance of his family. And prior to the fight, they requested some rules like no time limits, no referee stoppages, no judges, and the fight only ending in either submission, knockout, or towel throw. Each round went on for 15 minutes before taking a break. This was seen as very controversial, but Sakuraba agreed to fight Hoist 
exists under the modified rules. So they finally fought on May 1st, 2000. Hoist immediately pressured for the takedown. But for the most part, Sakuraba was able to defend it well with takedowns of his own and submission attempts. When the fight got to the ground, Hoist threw punches and attempted submissions as well. But Sakuraba didn't seem to be in any serious trouble as he threw ground and pound and attempted submissions of his own, which included a knee bar before the end of the first round. In the second, Sakuraba unraveled Hoist's belt and used his gi against him in many situations. And overall, he was outstriking Hoist everywhere the fight went, especially with the leg kicks which not only made it difficult for him to stand, but it also made it very hard for him to take the fight down. After 90 minutes of fighting, Hoist could no longer stand due to a broken femur in one of his legs. This forced his brother Horian to throw in the towel, handing Hoist his first professional loss. Regardless, this fight has been seen as one of the greatest matches in MMA history. And I agree, as it was a spectacle that would never be allowed to happen in today's sport. In 2002, Hoist came back and fought Olympic gold medalist in judo, Hidehiko Yoshida. The match was billed as judo versus Brazilian jiu-jitsu with so many rules in place that it was more of a grappling contest. Hoist pulled guard immediately and attempted a few submissions off his back. But at one point, both men had each other's legs locked up before the lack of action brought them back to their feet. Hoist pulled guard again, but this time Yoshida mounted him and locked in a soda guru majime, which is a judo chokehold that compresses the trachea. Yoshida was in a position where no one could see Hoist's face, and after he protested that Hoist was unconscious, the ref stopped the fight. But the controversy quickly arose when Hoist claimed he never went out and if he did, his corner would have thrown the towel. The Gracies demanded that the loss be turned to a no contest or else they would never fight for Pride FC again. Two weeks later, the judges revised the results and not only did the decision become a no contest, but it literally doesn't exist anywhere on Hoist's record. The rematch between the two went down a year and a half later. This time it was under more modern MMA rules and it consisted of two 10 minute rounds. If the time expires, the fight becomes a draw. This was the first time Hoist fought without his gi jacket and prior to the fight, he was inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame. Hoist dominated Yoshida both on top position and off his back. Had the Gracies allowed for judges in this fight, Hoist would have definitely taken home the unanimous decision. But instead, time expired and the fight was ruled as a draw. This was also Hoist's last match with Pride as they could no longer modify rules for his fights, especially for Grand Prix bouts which had to have a winner at the end. This made Hoist breach his contract and sign with K1. Pride sued and after the case was settled, Hoist apologized to the promotion. One year later, he fought former sumo wrestler Akebono Taro who was making his MMA debut. It was the biggest fighter that Hoist had ever fought. And this forced him to pull guard in order for the fight to get to the floor. He threw punches to Akebono's head before locking in a normal plata that forced a tap. Hoist's next opponent was Hideo Tokoro, who was much smaller in size. Despite the size difference, the 20 minute fight was competitive as both men were in dominant positions while on the ground and there were moments where they were close to finishing the other. If there were judges for this fight, the decision probably would have went to Hoist as he stayed very busy off his back with punches. But once time expired, the fight was automatically declared as a draw. 11 years since leaving the promotion, Hoist returned to the UFC to fight welterweight champion Matt Hughes in a non-title bout and at a catchweight of 175 pounds. Although Hoist trained on his Muay Thai prior to the fight and showcased some kicks early on, Matt's wrestling was too much as he was able to secure the takedown and control the fight on the ground. He attempted an arm lock which looked really tight but Hoist refused to tap. Regardless, Matt managed to get a hold of his back where he threw punches before Big John stepped in. The fight lasted less than a round. Following this loss, Hoist fought at Dynamite USA in Los Angeles, California. His opponent was Kazushi Sakuraba who he last fought 7 years ago. This time it consisted of 3 5 minute rounds. But in contrast to their first fight, this one was lackluster as most of the action occurred in the clinch with both fighters trading punches and knees. The same happened when on the ground where they both attempted a few submissions. The most action to come from this fight was in the beginning when Sakuraba knocked Hoist down with a right hand. Otherwise, it was fairly close. I thought after the three rounds, Sakuraba would be given the decision. But instead, it was given to Hoist, which many viewed as a robbery. And what made it even more controversial was when it was revealed that Hoist failed his pre- and post-fight drug tests. He got 
suspended for 12 months and fined $2,500. But his decision win against Sakuraba was not overturned and to this day, it still remains as a W on his record. Although there were talks of Hoist going back to the UFC in 2011, he ultimately retired on November 15, 2013. But two and a half years later, at the age of 49, he came out of retirement and signed with Bellator. His opponent was rival Ken Shamrock, who he last fought 11 years ago. Ken was 52 years old going into this fight. Yeah, I don't know who allowed this to happen. But it did, and it was Hoist who came out victorious by finishing Ken in the first with knees and punches, making it the second finish of his career by strikes. But what is a Hoist Gracie fight without some controversy? It was later revealed on the replay that one of the knees by Hoist went low, and even though Ken protested, the ref allowed the action to continue. This victory was back in 2016, and since then, Hoist hasn't fought in any pro MMA bouts. So after going 15, 2, and 3 in a career that saw him win 3 UFC tournaments, how good was Hoist Gracie actually? Hoist is arguably one of the most important fighters in the history of MMA. UFC 1 was an event created mostly to help build popularity for Gracie Jiu Jitsu. And although that goal was accomplished with Hoist's amazing skills on the ground, it also introduced the foundation of MMA, which was which martial art is the greatest. And early on, Hoist proved that the answer was Jiu Jitsu, which is something that every fighter in MMA today has to be well versed in. But what also made his early run eye catching was how he was a smaller fighter in most matchups. That in itself was entertaining to watch, and in my opinion, was important for the UFC to get the ball rolling. Love him or hate him, Hoist Gracie's impact on the sport is huge. So why do people hate on him? You're probably thinking, is that even a question at this point considering all the controversies that he's had in his career? And I agree, these are things that definitely tarnish his legacy. But I do question whether it was Hoist's fault or the Gracie's. In my opinion, Hoist had the most pressure going into MMA than any other fighter. Because he wasn't just fighting for himself, but also for the legacy of his family who had so much power in MMA that they were able to modify rules to fights. They did anything to prove that Gracie Jiu Jitsu was the best, which really didn't give Hoist the opportunity to say no. But I also think Hoist and his family were a product of their environment. Early on, Hoist had to go through Ken Shamrock denying he tapped and Gerard Gordeaux biting his ear. Then you have other events like rule changes mid-fight and premature stoppages. To me, it seems like the Gracies wanted to get even, but it got way out of control and ended up hurting the family name rather than helping it. Yet regardless of the controversy in his career, Hoist revolutionized MMA with his ground fighting and grappling. And for that, I would give his MMA career a 9 out of 10. His legacy continues today as Jiu-Jitsu is bigger than ever. And although there are many Gracies who have fought in MMA and still continue to do so today, Hoist Gracie was the one who put the family name on the map. My name is Keon and this is my take on how good Hoist Gracie actually was. Do you agree, disagree, or have something else to add? Please put in the comments down below because I love to read it. If you like this video, please give it a thumbs up and subscribe to my channel for more content like this. But that's all I have for now, so I'll see you on my next one.